Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 65 of a Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And moving away from diets can be really scary, yet also really exciting. I know it can be scary because all the rules are gone and Before, you probably had a guide of exactly what to eat and what not to eat, even though they often conflicted each other. But you had this rule book and they're gone and it can feel like jumping off a bridge without any kind of safety net. And yet at the same time, it can be really, really exciting because you get to enjoy all the things, all the things that you have really avoided or kept yourself from experiencing. So all the foods that were against the rules, finally, you have this permission to eat. This time of chaos, that's really, really scary, but yet also exhilarating at the same time. It doesn't last forever. I've helped hundreds, maybe even thousands at this point of people to heal their relationship with with food. I've been their partner along the way. And 
One thing I know is this, this time doesn't last forever, but when you're in it, it can feel like it's taking an eternity because it is really exhausting and uncomfortable. And at the same time, like I said, exhilarating. And I have a letter that I get to read to you today that is someone is describing this exact experience. She is someone that has dieted her whole life and now has had this moment of like a reality check of like, wait, this is not how I want to live my life. And I see it affecting future generations. And I don't want to keep it doing the same thing because obviously it's not working. But yet the rules have changed and things are scary, but exciting. And she's wondering what to do and if it's ever going to calm down. So I can't wait to dive into that. But before we get to that, I just want to let you know that if you are looking for more access to information to help cultivate your food peace journey and to help improve your body image, I have an email that I send out every Tuesday that is just things that I've collected and cultivated over the week that'll further help your journey towards food peace. And I have you in mind when I'm putting it together. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up for it on my uh, website and it's juliedillonrd.com. I sure hope we can stay connected. Um, I know I get to um, speak with you through the podcast, but I love connecting with you in this other way. So be sure to sign up and you can click on the show notes right now to do that. And while you're looking at your podcast app, especially if you're looking on it um, through iTunes, on the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see three little dots. And if you touch those three little dots, what you can do, you will see these options. And one of them is to share this episode. So after listening to this episode, or maybe even while you're listening to it, if there's someone that you think of that may benefit from it, maybe it's your therapist or dietitian, or maybe it's a friend who you have been talking about how, wow, I'm just so afraid to eat sugar. What can I do? And maybe you all have talked about that on your morning walks or something. You can just share it with your friend. You can also share it with maybe that mother-in-law who's always talking about her diet and her wanting to restrict certain things. Um, Maybe you can also just forward it to her because that would just help further enhance your your journey with your own food piece and and hers as well. Anyway, I really um, encourage you to share it with someone who you think would also benefit from this message. I do think that disordered eating is now normal eating in our world. And I would love to be a part of ending that. Um, So as much as you can share this, the more people will have the option to understand that making peace with food is an option and that they can get to this place where they respect and accept their body. I know it can happen for you and I know it can happen for anyone else. So um, share as much as you can. And with that being said, let's go ahead and listen to this episode's letter. Dear Food, Wow, our relationship has changed a lot over the last week. After years of eating clean and controlling my relationship with you, I have opened the floodgates. 10 days ago, I decided that being so rigid and restricted with you was no longer working with me. It made me lose my period, be too underweight, and be obsessed with every calorie and macro and every minute spent exercising. I exercised and beat my body and mind up feeling like I was never doing enough. I spent hours each day calculating every calorie, macro, and step 
and basing my worth and success on the numbers. Food, you, especially carbs and sugar, were the big enemy. I have been a very strong opponent to the seductive appeal you have. I have often been applauded for my great willpower, the same willpower that allowed my anorexia to get to the point it did in middle school and that has kept me slim at 30 years old, even after two kids. I know I'm good at judging you, restricting you, and manipulating you in a way to make myself thinner. The problem is, I've realized that this does not make me happy. Thin is never thin enough. Eating well or clean is never clean enough. Even when I was doing everything right, it was never enough, and I was not happy. While I spent my days obsessing and beating myself up, I missed out on enjoying time with my family and friends. I knew I was good at restricting my food and being in control, but I had no idea and still don't of what my worth is outside of my willpower over food. I realized my life was way out of balance. I worried about the damage I was doing to my body and if the hypothalamic amenorrhea meant that I might not be able to have a third child. I really worried about the example I was setting for my two young daughters and what seeing a mother who mostly ate veggies and passed on up almost every treat would cause them to think about their own relationship with food. I felt like a terrible wife, mother, and friend who was always cranky, preoccupied, and judgmental. 10 days ago, I decided to stop counting calories, macros, and steps. I decided to try to eat intuitively and pursue a healthy and normal relationship with food. The rush of freedom this initially gave me was exciting and overwhelming. I was simultaneously thrilled and scared to death that there were no rules. Then the binges started. Over the last 10 days, I have eaten almost exactly what I was eating while I was tracking and restricting, with the exception of a few extra carbs or bigger meals here or there. But I have started binging. Almost every day at some point, I have gone into an uncontrollable sugar binge spiral. The giant bag of years of old Halloween candy that was previously deemed so obviously off the table as an option for consumption that I didn't even think about it is now my number one thought through the the days. I've eaten so much chocolate during these binges that I am in great physical pain. Despite this, I've actually managed to be pretty gentle and understanding with myself about these episodes. I told myself that this was a normal part of recovery and that if I gave in and just let it happen, then eventually the binges would stop on their own but I'm getting impatient. I want them to stop or at least slow down. I'm starting to really get scared. I wasn't healthy and obsessed with you food while I was restricting. And now I feel like I'm unhealthy and obsessed with you still with all this overeating. When do I get to the point where I can eat like a normal person? Or am I someone who never really can have a normal relationship with food? Might I be too much of an all or nothing person? My dad binges on tons and tons of sugar daily and has for years. Maybe without the tight reins and calculations of restriction, I will end up the same way. Food, will you and I ever be at peace? When will all these crazy binges stop and the peace of food acceptance and intuitive eating begin? What are the rules now? Do I keep the sugar around in hopes I will eat so much of it I will get used to it and sick of it? Or do I remove this trigger and just focus on eating more of the healthy food I know I can regulate myself with? 
please help me get to a good place with you food. Sincerely, clean eater to sugar addict. Hey there, letter writer. Thanks for the letter. And I know you're asking, you know, what are the rules now? You got used to this really um, clear-cut, tangible way of knowing how to feed your body, how to move it, how to run it. And now it's like, what now what do I do? What are these new rules? And in order to really know how to guide yourself, I think it's important to recognize the old rules. And these old rules had things like, this is right and this is wrong. And it was really rigid and particular and specific, which can feel strangely very calming and soothing because you know exactly where you stand. Even if it feels awful, you at least know you're doing the right thing. And with all these rules... Um, and I guess there are perks because of their clear-cut nature, it's important to recognize all the harm they did. It appears from your letter that they were really harmful physically. They were also harmful emotionally, and they affected your relationships. I think that's pretty all-encompassing, really crappy rules, (laughs) you know, rules that are not consistent with connecting to joy and your true self. They were destructive. And as you move forward and as you find yourself in this really chaotic space, trying to make sense with the next steps, it's going to feel really easy um, and simple and obvious to go back to that calm. But I want you to stay connected to all the harm that calm did because it was really this facade, you know, it was this um, illusion really of calmness when really it, it wasn't, it wasn't comforting. And From your letter, um, what I'm getting is that you totally get that. So here's a really shitty part about the next step for you, letter writer. These next steps have no rules. It's like knowing all the rules in the English language, but then now having to speak Chinese, the letters don't even look the same, you know? Um, This is completely different. And instead of having rules in a different way, there just aren't any. And our bodies are not meant to be controlled and regulated. You use words like willpower. And willpower is just not something that's supposed to be associated with the human body and how it regulates food intake. Rather, I see it as something different. I see it as uh, like a pendulum. And if you can picture a pendulum, when we pull it back and then just let it bounce back and forth and glide you know, on the same kind of axis back and forth. At first, it may sharply bounce to the other side and then go back to where it started. But then eventually, after a few swings, it starts to be even calmer and it never quite stops right in the middle of where the pendulum is swinging. It still is kind of always moving, but it's not moving back and forth that much. But whenever we do pull a pendulum back further, and then let it just guide itself back to a calmer state. It eventually does, but it takes a couple swings in both directions for it to eventually even out again. But if a person pulls that pendulum back and it swings in the other direction, and then they pull it back again, and then it swings in the other direction, and they pull it back again, you see where I'm going with this. 
It just keeps bouncing back and forth. And as a pendulum gets pulled in either direction and keeps being manipulated, it becomes more chaotic and it moves out of the axis and it becomes more violent and faster. And the more a person pulls it, the more it's going to react. And you told us in the letter that you're 10 days in, you know, you've lived for decades with these rigid rules. And I have a feeling you had this momentary glimpse of insight that was so powerful. And it brings tears to my eyes to think about it, like how amazing that moment must have been for you. And I want you to hold on to that. And I also appreciate that those moments don't last for a long time. So by the time you hear this letter, it may have even moved on. So as you listen to my words, you may be thinking, ah, I'm back to those rules. They feel easier. But I hope you can grasp back onto that moment when you realized that these rules, even though they may feel like a choice that's easier and calm, more um, calming, um, that they're not the choice that's best for you. And when you have touches of moments that bring you to your knees, basically, and are like, this is just not the direction I want to go with my life forever, I want you to remember that pendulum. And in the beginning, after your body's been through all those rigid rules, there's going to be naturally this pendulum swinging in the other direction. And it's going to swing for a while. It's going to bounce back and forth. And you're going to hear that chatter in your head after the binges, when you feel like you just can't stop eating, your body's used to those rules. And so your your brain automatically is going to go back to craving those rules and that diet and that rigidity. One of the best things you can do is just notice that. And it sounds like already from your letter, there's like this compassionate instincts that are really trying to be heard, that's trying to just really be compassionate with where you are in the moment. I'm really excited to read that. It makes me really hopeful for you that you're going to continue to heal. And so with every time where you feel like, oh my God, I'm just so freaking abnormal. Why can't I just eat food and not have to think about it? Um, Whenever you're having those moments, I would encourage you to try to remember that you need this compassion. Um, An eating disorder is a monster. I think it's something that sucks the life out of anyone and their family. And so um, compassion is one of the necessary ingredients that you need for recovery. And so as you're reacting in this way to just, just notice that it's there and, and say hello to it, like, Hey, I've been waiting for you to come. (laughs) Um, and whatever you can do to avoid, um, restricting and reacting in that way is going to help that pendulum take its next step to not have to swing so violently in the other direction. Um, and to eventually let it to be to this calmer place. You ask in your letter how long it's going to take. And it's it's really hard for us um, to really estimate that. The folks who wrote Intuitive Eating, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rash, they have estimated if a person is in recovery and they're in a place of what we call nutritional rehabilitation, like they've already gone through any restorative type of work that their body needed, that it, it usually takes, a, um, I would say, at least a year. Um, sometimes people say about an average of a year, but just hearing a little bit about what you're experiencing, um, letter writer, I would say at least a year. So it's going to take time and you are just beginning with this. And, you know, you didn't um, experience this eating disorder just over 10 days. So I would say it's going to take a while. Um, if you would like to hear a little bit more from 
um, one of the authors of Intuitive Eating. I was able to have her on the podcast on episode 62. Evelyn Triboli was on and she helped answer a letter. So check that out if you want to hear a little bit from her. She does talk about that experience of deprivation and binging and, and you know, basically how to pivot to bring on more curiosity and compassion instead of just that kind of chatter that feels like the biggest asshole, <laughs> you know? So something I did bring up just briefly a minute ago was about weight restoration. And, you know, something I know to be true when a person's body has been through lots of rules and restrictions with their food, um, that their body will have to go through a period of healing. And those of us who do eating disorder work, we call that weight restoration. And so I'm wondering for you, letter writer, if your body is going to need to go through that. And honestly, you could continue on your path like you've been going and just let your body get more food than it had been for a long time. And I would expect your body weight would need to go up. For a lot of people that I work with, that's really hard. They feel really uncomfortable with that. And they and oftentimes the brain will say things like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to s- stop gaining weight. Um, I'm just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And those are all things that are really normal in this process, but they can feel really abnormal. And something that happens with... Um, our world, you know, I feel like our world has its own eating disorder. And we live in this world that dieting is normal eating. So if we're all pursuing weight loss, then, you know, we're all basically practicing a part of anorexia. And so when we go against that and we're not practicing anorexia or we're not practicing restriction, it can feel like we're doing the opposite. But I think we all live in this world where things are so black and white or all or nothing. But food is not like that. Recovery is not like that. And just because a person isn't restricting or or pursuing weight loss doesn't mean they're pursuing the opposite. It just is. And I know that can be really confusing and uncomfortable because it doesn't follow the rules, but that's just the way human physiology is. (laughs) So um, one of the best things you can do for yourself is have a team. It's really normal and important, I think, for someone who's recovering from any eating disorder to surround themselves by people who understand and experts who understand and finding a weight-inclusive dietitian. And I have a link in the show notes to help you find one. And then also a therapist would be just such a great catalyst for you, letter writer, and anyone else who is identifying with what you're experiencing. Before I move on past kind of your own kind of healing and weight restoration, you bring up a macronutrient that I feel like is getting a lot of crap these days. And you bring up carbohydrates, which all includes sugar in there too. And this is certainly a macronutrient that a lot of people are counting and people think that are like the devil. And even some researchers will point to food addiction research and say that it has addictive qualities. And on this podcast, we've talked about this before. I think it's really important for us to keep talking about the food addiction research. But so far, it's not compelling me to believe that food is actually addicting. We explore a lot of this in episode six with Marcy Evans. She's a dietitian that's at the forefront of a food addiction research and um, is an expert that I rely on. And she goes through all of the points on why, um, even though it may feel addicting, I would never argue with anyone who feels like they are addicted to food. 
because that feeling is there. But yet there are variables that are not being controlled in the research that are really important. And one of them is if you feel like you're not allowed to eat carbohydrates or sugar and you abstain from them or deprive yourself from them and then eventually get them, that's going to feel a lot different than if a person has complete permission to eat them, consistently eats them, and then they scan their brain. It's not going to show up as really as interesting. So keep that in mind. Before we move on away from the talk about carbohydrates and sugar, I want to talk a little bit more about physiology. You know, carbs and sugar being the devil, one of the things that annoys me about it is that every cell in our body needs glucose, which is the broken down smaller piece of carbohydrates and sugar. Every cell in our body needs it. Our brain needs the majority of its um, energy source in the form of glucose as well. And literally while we're sleeping, for those of us who sleep more than uh, five or six hours at a time, which I'm hoping is most people listening, um, our body will need to find a way to find glucose to send to the brain to keep us from going brain dead while we're sleeping. So it'll take it from its muscles. It'll make its own in the liver through gluconeogenesis. It only can make so much through the liver though before it, it peters out. And so that's why we don't go brain dead while we're sleeping because our brain will need glucose in order to keep us alive. And so for you, letter writer, um, you've gone through this deprivation. And once your body is starting to get enough carbohydrate, it's going to send you a message loud and clear to keep on going because it's trying to replete all that deprivation. And yes, the more one is deprived of a food, especially carbohydrates because it's connection with being alive, um, the more their body's going to be really, really interested in it and feel like it can't stop. But this doesn't go on forever. But you mentioned, you know, wanting to allow yourself to have enough of it so eventually you get sick of it. And this may sound like semantics, but I'm not a big fan of that because I feel like that's another form of deprivation. Like, let let me force myself to eat a food until I'm sick of it. I think you'll find that that doesn't really speed things up. That only just makes it kind of more complicated. And um, there's a blog post that I wrote about this type of uh, healing process. It's called When Relying on Hungry Hunger Feels Too Scary. And I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes too. I think you'll find that helpful. So before we move on and hear from food, because I see food has written back, I want to also mention something that I want to add to the food piece syllabus. If you're new to the podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is this collection of books and blog posts, videos, podcasts, anything that we have found along the way as we are talking about cultivating a healthy relationship with food and body that just further helps the process. And one I want to add is a book by Carolyn Costin. It's called The Eight Keys to Recovery from an Eating Disorder. And Carolyn Costin is a really well-known psychotherapist out of California and she has recovered from anorexia nervosa. And so for you, letter writer, I think you would love her books. She has a number of them, but particular where you are right now, these eight keys that she describes are phenomenal. And I think it'll give you some sort of non-rules to kind of cling to, just really some guides. And that's what I picture you need is just someone that's along the path with you as you're making peace with food to partner with you, just to help you to know that you're moving in the direction that you need to go for health. And as it feels really uncomfortable and without the safety net, know that you're moving in the direction that's going to help you fly 
because it's going to help you be in a place where you're actually you and connected to things that bring you joy. So I would love to hear more about how things are going, letter writer. Please keep in touch with us. We would love to know how things are going. And just know that I'm sending you great healing vibes over the podcast um, radio waves or whatever they are. (laughs) And um, I see food has written back. So take care. Dear clean eater to sugar addict. We don't think we've been formally introduced. We are food and we keep you alive. We keep you energized, connected, and joyful. We help you feel the good, the bad, and everything in between. And there's a lot in between. We know you've been regulating us for a long time, and that has been distracting you from relationships and the best things in life. We know things will be bumpy for a while, yet we look forward to us getting to know each other better. Don't hesitate to ask for help along the way. Together, we can partner with you on your food peace journey and reunite you with you. Love food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Stay big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big money.